Hey Evildoers, Editing Sedusa here with a quick content warning for today's episode. Today's episode will contain themes discussing parental abuse and neglect, medical neglect, suicide attempts and ideation, and general heavy discussion surrounding ableism. There will be a content warning closer to when the discussion of suicide happens, so please take care of yourself and we hope you're able to learn something or connect with us from today's episode. Thank you. Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Sedusa. Join our descent into villainy. Hello, evildoers. Hi. <laughs> Today we had an episode planned that didn't pan out. Ugh. Do you want to <laughs> tell them why? This Mercury and White Girl braids. Ah! So <laughs> we were going to play another rendition of the couples game. However, when I went to log in, I just got told the app is like not available. The developers are aware, but they'll let me know when the app's back online. So we're going with Plan B, which is actually very juicy and delicious. I'm very excited, yes. but also it's sad. Do <laughs> you want to let them know what we're actually doing? Today, we are going to be sharing stories of ableism from our lives. Ooh. Yeah, we're going to be chatting it up, talking about times that people were on some weird shit. Yeah, the list is juicy. We typed down some notes before this and it's juicy. So it, we're, it is. yeah, this is going to be good, but bad, but good. <laughs> Also, before we jump into it, you probably just heard Harley's new song that they just recorded as our new intro song. So that's super exciting. It's a jazzy little number. I love it. Yes, it was produced by Jonathan Lebovic, and that was the karaoke version that you heard. If you ever want to hear me sing it in person, you should definitely come out to some shows in Philly. That'll definitely happen. Yeah. It's so good. And that sax solo... Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, the saxophone player's name is Kara Tratner. So definitely go look into that if you're interested in the sax playing, because it is spicy and good. Delicious. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it. With that being said, let's get into story time with ableism. We're also doing categories. Yes, So these are categorized. We're going to talk about school then work, then medical ableism, and then we're gonna wrap it all up with interpersonal ableism. Ooh, buddy. (laughs) Don't forget to hit the bell. So, school. There's high school, elementary, college, university, and there's just so many people along the way that have just really fucked with us. Yes. Do you want to kick it <laughs> off since your stories are showing up first? Yeah, sure. So, I feel like I had a lot of bad experiences in gym specifically, <laughs> just in general with needing to do stuff that I really had no business doing as a disabled person, like all that running, all that running. And I remember one time I specifically told the gym teacher that my feet hurt too much to continue. And he was like, oh, you're just making an excuse. You're just being a baby. Like you're just being lazy. And then he specifically mentioned that I was in other sports. And so he was like using that as a reason to be like, you can't possibly have foot problems because you play this other sport. And it's like, okay, but my endurance is affected. Right. And I feel like this idea that you've seen a disabled person do something and thus they should be able to do this other completely different task that you want them to do is wacky. And I want it to stop. Right. It's also that idea that like, just because you can lift 50 pounds, that doesn't mean you're going to do that 
for hours on end. Like Exactly. For a disabled person, like the task could be different. Like the thresholds are different, but it's the same concept. You, able-bodied person, could maybe be below 50 pounds, but you're not doing that for hours on end. And just like a disabled person, whatever they're doing. You may have seen them do it. That doesn't mean they can do it all the time or for longer. So. Exactly. This is not a difficult concept to understand, I don't think. It's really not. God, I'm so sorry that happened. And like, yeah, gym is a big one though. I remember first day of high school, my mom already prepped me with doctor's notes to come in and give to my teacher. So it was just out of the way first mm-hmm. day. But I went up to the gym teacher, give it to her. And she's like, oh great, a first doctor's note already. Yeah. Wow. It was really fucking rude. And so then I was like, yeah, I can't turn my wrist that all just thought you should know (laughs) so then from there instead of like accommodating the sports i just had to do laps by myself around everybody else doing the activity um what yeah for the whole semester so my jaw is a game just for people (laughs) who can't see me jaw is on the ground yeah so everybody would just see me and like either be like oh you're so lucky you just have to do laps or like but like for a whole hour while everybody else played a game and I'm just alone. Like no, what? They couldn't accommodate you so that the sport was possible for you to play? They just didn't even want to try. Also like every single sport? Every single one. Even soccer? They made you sit out soccer? I think so. I don't know what was all in the know or if my mom talked. To, but my mom had a fear of me doing most sports in general because oh. if I fell and fucked up my arms. Oh. So like I used to ice skate and she wouldn't let me ice skate anymore. Because oh. she was like, yeah. Well, like, I mean, you need to live your life. Like, you know. Just, geez. How is she simultaneously like not watching you at all and also being overprotective? You know, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> It's really impressive. So I don't know if that played a role in it at all, but yeah, like they just didn't want to figure it out at all. Jeez, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. No, it's fine. I just like... I mean, it's not fine. It's not fine. But yeah, so yeah, gym class is a big one though for disability. It's just mm-hmm. like, y'all have got to fucking chill. Yeah. Also, I only recently, like more on gym stuff, but I only recently realized that I probably have PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And that has been wacky because thinking back to all the times that my gym teacher told me that it was an excuse that I didn't want to do gym stuff because of my period. When, like, literally, I probably do have a worse period than most people. He really... There's also that, is that he, as in, like, he is a cis man. Right. Didn't have any personal experience with this. And the one day that he, like, said no to me, which didn't stick because even my mom, as shitty as she was, was like, what? When I came home and explained this. Yeah, so the reason that he felt entitled to say this to me is because he had a girlfriend at the time who had a period and thus he'd be like well my girlfriend works out on her period so you should be able to work out on yours if you don't get the fuck out of here yeah like what what also this man was low-key a sexual predator because you could always see his dick print in his shorts like we would talk about it that it made us uncomfortable too like it wasn't even a hee hee ha ha like we'd 
be like so scared to see coach because we're gonna need to see his dick print like oh that is mad and appropriate there's definitely ways to not do that yeah ew ew zero out of ten zero out of ten we just had a society where all men start in jail and work their way out (laughs) I just think we'd be better for it but (laughs) that's oh that's gross I'm so sorry I feel like we're just gonna go back and forth being like I'm so sorry (laughs) jeez yeah so gym classes not cute I have also here some notes from my experience with like guidance counselors or my experience trying to get into college Mm -hmm. so I had an IEP starting my junior year of school and that was also its own fucking journey that we could get into a little bit later (laughs) whenever I was like a senior and we had a whole day to just work on our applications for college I asked my guidance counselor, like, how do I transfer my IEP information to school? And she was like, you know, you're my guinea pig. I actually have never had a student with one before. So you're going to figure that out. And you let me know. (laughs) And I was like, what? Girl. Yeah, this was also all around the same time that I was having teachers, parents, I mean, basically anybody who cared to tell me that I couldn't pursue a music degree because of my arm disability, because of like the practice times or whatever reason they would come up with that. Like, I mean, also for music therapy, like you do have to play guitar, mm-hmm. but I mean, who knows what accommodations there might've been even, but they just told me like, oh, you can't play guitar. You probably can't do that. So like, don't even pursue it. Yeah. So that whole experience was just wild, like trying to get into college and beyond. <laughs> it's you being a guinea pig for me. Yeah, that was crazy for her to say to my face. Yeah, like some thoughts we can keep to ourselves. Right. <laughs> I thought that I was gonna have a turn because that was so wacky to listen to. <laughs> so it's not prepared. Okay, speaking of IEPs, I had none. Yeah. Fun fact. Jeez. And the reason for this is because my mother did not think that disabilities were real. And so, wait, any? Well, not any, but like, I think any mental health things beyond chronic depression and chronic anxiety, like, I didn't think. Yes, those are only two. The only yeah. two. <laughs> and I think she only thought that because she was diagnosed with those things. That's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Tell but... me you don't have an advanced idea of theory of mind beyond the age of three without telling me you don't have yeah. a beyond theory of mind. I mean, she was also diagnosed with another thing because of that. <laughs> Probably, oh. but we don't need to mention that right now. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was definitely a very self-centered woman. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I hate it too because like I had an IEP, but it like actually caused a lot of problems and it almost didn't help. It almost made things yeah. worse, honestly. Like, so now every teacher or most of my teachers came to the meeting for it and we all sat down and talked about it. And I was rated moderately to severe. Like it was the second to highest severity mm-hmm. with just my arms, like okay. not, not even addressing anything else. But I'd have teachers that like, they would know about the IEP that I wasn't supposed to do excessive writing or I was supposed to be accommodated somehow. Mm-hmm. But then they would get mad at me for not doing assignments, but I would be like, hey, can we accommodate this? And then they would just go to my guidance counselor and be like, they're not doing their assignments. What? Or like, I would have a question about how to accommodate it. And I would like try to raise my hand to get my teacher's attention. And she would have come over. I was like, Miss Alsap, like, I get some help. And she was saying I was yelling across the classroom, announcing I wouldn't do the assignment. Like, um, 
what? Very racialized, very crazy. Yeah, and then my calculus teacher actually, same thing. Like, he had us just do multiple problems a day, like, by hand. And so that wasn't going to work. So I was like, okay, can we do something else? He's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Then it comes to, like, a month before graduation. I now have a C in the class because all this work hasn't been turned in. I was like, hey, I need this accommodation. So he goes to my guidance counselor behind my back yet again. I get there and I'm like, you told me we would figure out something. And he's like, I don't recall this conversation. What? And so then... The guidance counselor tried to be like, can they do like an online quiz to prove they know this? And he's like, well, they could cheat. So I just ended up with a C in calculus. And then my guidance counselor was like, that's not too bad. That'll be okay. Because he was either like, you can make up. I think he said half of it. But at this point, it was like months worth of work for me to fit in in one month or just take the C. And I was like, there's no way I can do that on top of my other schoolwork. Like, yeah. So I don't even know. Like the IEP like was there, but it really felt like nobody cared. Like Yeah, that definitely sounds like not that it made it worse, but like definitely that it didn't help at yeah. all. Which is its whole purpose. I feel like IEPs seem like such a good idea on paper. On paper. But it doesn't work if they don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which they kind of never do. Like as someone who was briefly a part of the school system, they kind of never do. Yeah. Maybe not making things worse is the word, but it did feel like I had a target on my back now. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I also had teachers who like would, <laughs> they knew about the IEP and then I'd be in class. I was like, Hey, like I need a partner for this so they can write down. And she'd be like, can anybody help Sedusa? She's disabled or like announcing uh. it. And I was like, girl, like, please. What? <laughs> Yeah, so I did feel like now everybody knew and it could get announced and it was just so weird. Yeah. And like, it was just, yeah, it just felt like I had a target on my back now mm-hmm. versus me just figuring it out on my own. That definitely sounds like it made you vulnerable, mm-hmm. for sure. And that is unsafe, especially since schools are already so vulnerable and unsafe. Truly. <laughs> I'm confused about the fact that you had such a high rating, but no one-on-one support. Like normally when someone has a high rating like that on their IEP, they get like a person like a whole person that helps them all day who is hired by the district they get a one yeah i just i grew up in kentucky right and mm-hmm. i like i hated the jokes i hated you know all the things joking about how bad it was and i like i knew it was bad but my god it feels like every day i'm learning just how bad like yeah. I just the fact that i've never been told this or heard of this or anything is like crazy to me yeah as a disabled person who literally had an iep yeah you have any other tales from school (laughs) (laughs) oh yes so i am hard of hearing i'm not sure if folks know this and i hurt my hearing in one of my ears by kind of jabbing a q-tip into it once as a child and so my hearing's been fucked up ever since because my mother did not try to send me to a doctor or anything luckily the scarring did not cause any infection or complications when i went to the ear doctor he was like you are so lucky (laughs) that that didn't cause any issues and it just somehow healed itself up like that's crazy so yeah but so i have been hard of hearing for a really long time still like because i did this like i don't know six seven or something and i'm 24 now so in school i had this issue still when i was doing music as a child and i had several music teachers tell me that they thought I was lying about having issues hearing in one of my ears because they'd say that I was doing too good a job so they were like you are lying one time I specifically had a music teacher try to test me by like coming up to me and startling me on my right side oh yeah oh and then she was like oh you really didn't hear me coming and I was like no I did not (laughs) oh my 
God. Yeah, that's why I like, or part of why I'm so hyper vigilant as an adult because I'm so terrified someone's going to come up to me on my side where I can't hear as well. And so I'm like kind of always paying attention now because so many people have tried to like test you. Yeah. Oh. oh my God. What is it about adults that makes them lying about something like that is such an adult behavior? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no kid is going to do that. Like, or if they're doing it, there's a very deep reason why or something. Yeah. Like, it's not like they're just doing it for shits and giggles. Like, what is what? <laughs> I don't get it. And I didn't get it at the time either. I just was like, I'm not lying. I don't know what to tell you. It's really wild. The way people just can't conceive of disabilities. Yeah. Like they know disabled people exist, but then when they're confronted with it, they're like, no. Cause it's like the cognitive dissonance of not wanting to imagine what that would be like. Yeah. Like, or seeing the consequences play out. And like thinking that disabled people can't do like certain things that, you know, technically, like I feel like able-bodied people misjudge what skills are actually required for a task. And that's how you get people being worried I shouldn't drive or something. Right. Like, it's like, okay, that I can see fine. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was just really wild. And also the kind of recurrence of people telling me that like oh I'm being too good at this thing for me to believe that you have an issue but also like I am actively struggling with it all the time and I am doing as good as you think I'm doing because I practiced a lot and tried really hard right so yeah it also like invalidates all of that effort you know yeah exactly and it's just like wow you really have no idea how much we out here like having to do twice as much to keep up like Exactly. Absolutely brutal. We're just gonna do a hometown road trip and <laughs> Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky. Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky. Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky. <laughs> I want to go all the way up. I want to do it. Stop hiding. You hiding forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Speaking of cognitive dissonance and not being wrapped their heads around <laughs> disability. Yeah, I feel like I had instances where like I would tell people or I'd explain my disability and they're like, oh, what's that do? I was like, well, I can't turn my wrist or arms at all. They're like, oh, like this? And they would just sit there and do it. And then, of course, the next question would be like, wait, so you can't like do hand jobs like no yeah i'm just like y'all are out of pocket or there's that time in anatomy class where we were talking specifically about the radius and ulna bone which are the bones affected Mm -hmm. and how they like work as one and there's like half a joint by your wrist and half a joint by your elbow Mm -hmm. and then 30 kids are sitting there doing it and i'm just like y'all all know because my project was on this so like this is crazy but like people just really like well i don't know like they the way they tested you or they'll be like tested on themselves i'm like are mm-hmm. you done now like yeah just, so much dude but just no mind. theory of mind not even a little bit because i can do it so why can't you right literally that also would it really be that hard to like simulate my experience like do people never get congested and not be able to hear out of their ears because sometimes i get congested in the other ears a problem and now i can't fucking hear <laughs> like, right. so i just i wonder or like i feel like people also just aren't expecting to come across any deaf or hard of hearing people in the world like that person who assumed that we were all hearing in the room when they were talking to me about how so we went to a drag show or we were actually in it rather and mm. so we were in the green room kind of kikiing and one of the other artists mentioned that something about lip syncing we got on the topic of lip syncing and they were basically just saying that oh you know i feel like it's justified because it's really hard to sing without being able to hear yourself and i was like oh really (laughs) 
<laughs> that's fascinating. I really wonder what that's like. Uh, like so, yeah. Yeah, it's just so wild. You're right. Like, just the theory of mind's on zero. Like, <laughs> and also just the assumption that everybody's, like, people are aware disabled people exist, but I feel like it's almost treated like, oh, a unicorn. Like, yeah. And then when they're confronted in real life, they're like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> rare Pokemon. Literally. Which is so wild, too, because it's like, I feel like most people I know at this point are disabled. And I know, like, we tend to flock together, but I'm just like, yeah. Wow, you don't know any other disabled people. You don't know how to act at this point. Like, yeah. Also, most of you, if you're not disabled right now, most of you will become disabled. And that's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really the thing is people are so ableist until they're elderly and now they're disabled mm -hmm. and you know i feel like we honestly not to get too spicy but i feel like we talk a lot about ageism when i think it's just repackaged ableism at the Ooh, end of the day i love yeah. that just because like what i just said it's that most people don't become disabled until they're elderly and now they're elderly and disabled and they're like whoa people are being unaccommodating that's crazy that's true yeah you're on to something there you know i'd be interested in some kind of like longitudinal study i wonder if people who have been disabled all their lives like have better outcomes later in life from being used to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be interested in that too. Yeah. Because I know I've talked with Harley about this, but as somebody who came out the womb disabled, I just tend to have beef with a lot of people who became disabled in adulthood because like the lack of awareness and mm -hmm. the self-centering is just, it's so wild. Like it, it's just next level as somebody who's mm -hmm. like been dealing with this since a kid and like as a new, like I was out the womb, right? So it's like, and versus somebody who's just now having to come to terms with these things and like, and then getting support for it too. Whereas like I've been told, oh, you've adapted to it by now because you were born yeah, with it, like uh, stuff like that. So it's just like yeah it's a wild facet to investigate dynamic, oh yeah the fascinating dynamic to investigate mm -hmm. like that whole how that plays out yeah study about how we fare as older people <laughs> yeah curious mm -hmm. my last school related ableism story was that they thought that i was autistic or that something was going on they thought something was going wrong and they told my mother this was in elementary school they told my mother that i was not paying attention in class i was like losing track of things a lot and that all I did was stare out the window and not talk like I wasn't speaking and I was just staring at the window all class but my like test results were all coming back like fine and so they were like oh we think something neurodivergent might be going on here and they wanted to do a test but they gave me an IQ test and that is all mm. why mm. what was that supposed to tell them you know and it came back normal you know it was an iq that is an abled iq right. and so they just were like ah oh, they're fine <laughs> moving on and so i literally just spent the rest of my time in elementary school like i remember this i would literally just stare out the window sometimes i would also like to mimic bird and cat sounds but like i did a really good job and so people would get really confused about <laughs> where the noises were coming from i would always feel so proud of myself when I would meow and the teacher would be like, where is that cat? Like by the end of the year, they literally thought there was some cat that frequented the area outside the classroom and it was just me. It was just me. <laughs> I can imagine this teacher, you've turned into like Mr. Crocker and his fairies are like this cat. And they're like, where's the cat? <laughs> Pretty good cat. <laughs> just... Oh, that's funny. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs>
I put this in there because like I did have one kind of good experience that related to my disability in high school and it like but it also like looking I don't know I'm gonna tell you and maybe we'll dissect this because maybe it was weirder <laughs> in retrospect but so junior year came up with the doctor's notes and everything and then I think the IEP happened I don't quite remember what set this off but my English teacher he had just had a stroke over the summer Ooh. and so then he found out about my disability somehow and he's like, hey, can I talk to you in the hallway real quick? I was like, okay, sure. And he's like, oh, why don't you tell me about your disability? Like, I want to help you. And he was like crying. Crying? He was crying because he like just had the stroke and it was so scary. And like he'd been struggling with like being oh. disabled. And so he was like, I'm, I'm here for you. Like, I want to help. Like, and like, I'm looking back. I'm like, that was kind of weird. Not he had to become disabled to develop compassion. You know, but <laughs> he also, I mean, he was so funny. And I was like, always one of my favorite teachers. But yeah, I'm just like, okay, thank you. That's so weird. The crying <laughs> strange. He was crying. And I was like, oh, you're going through. But I feel like that's one of my first experiences of like, I yeah. was born disabled. It's just kind of like that throw. But <laughs> how are you going to parentify someone who's not even your kid? <laughs> yeah. Like, how'd you manage that? During school. Like, yeah, now gotta... during school hours. Get to work, buddy. <laughs> now I got to go through the. We stepped out into the hallway. Like, the rest of the class is just in there doing work, and he's crying about having the stroke and wanting to help me. It was kind of wild. So not ableism, but maybe like a little inspiration porn-ish. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, but yeah, like. I mean, that is ableism, like the same way racial fetishization is yeah, racist. That's yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I definitely, I almost feel bad because I, he was, I don't know. He was a great teacher and funny, but that was a weird experience. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it. <laughs> okay. So that was school. School. Now we got work. Quack, 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 quack. See me happy, <laughs> Anyway. Yes. <laughs> so my first story in this category is on bathroom anxiety. Oof. So I have, I don't know what I have actually. I have a messed up stomach because I'm very pretty. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so this messed up stomach has caused me a lot of anxiety because I like don't want to have issues when I'm out in public or anything. And I won't get too much into it because that's not fun in TMI. But I just spend a lot of time in the bathroom and no exceptions, right? Like, just because I'm at work doesn't mean I need less time in the bathroom. And right now I'm self-employed partially for that reason, yeah. because I can't really work in an office setting or anything like that, especially one that has like productivity values mm -hmm. kind of vibes. And this place, it was my job. I was a research assistant. And so it was my job to like transcribe data and like put data into programs. Like I had quotas to meet every day, basically. Yeah. And I just could not meet them because I was spending so much time in the bathroom and eventually they were calling me in for meetings a bunch like telling me about my pacing and were telling me that they were uncertain if they wanted to renew my contract because of how like slow I worked Jeez. yeah and so I just was like you know what I'm good actually because uh. I have this problem where if, if someone seems reluctant I will just make it a no because I don't like reluctance at all like in any context well, so if someone seems like they don't really want to do something I'm going to be like never mind you don't have to every time so when and like literally even in a work setting she was like you know I'm unsure if and I was like you can go ahead and let me go uh, <laughs> because 
I'll pack my you. things right now. And did. <laughs> so yeah, there also wasn't that much in my desk, but that sucked needing to leave that job because mm-hmm. I did enjoy working with the children mm-hmm. and I did enjoy like doing the research and being part of a research team. But yeah. there were other problems too, so I wasn't like super torn up over it, but I definitely sometimes think about that job and I'm like, hmm. That was an okay job, except for that. Fair. Yeah. Ugh. And it's just, like, the fact that employees will want to time that shit. Like, I knew, I had an aunt that, like, they would time employees in the bathroom or, like, it would count as a break or something. Is that even legal to do? I don't think so. But, like, yeah, it was not good. And it's just, like, why are y'all so, like, the bathroom is so private. Like, yeah. Maybe somebody's on their phone, but how many of us are out here with messed up diets and guts and shit? Like, could Probably y'all chill? Right. Than we'll admit. Right. Some of y'all got gluten intolerances and just won't admit it, but mm-hmm. that's okay. You'll get there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just so goofy. Oh, God, for work, I don't even know where to start start i feel like okay i'll start with one of the earlier experiences but like i worked as a hostess at a restaurant Mm -hmm. where like we sat people and this one manager insisted that we held open the door for every single customer who walked in oh and it was like one of those heavy like restaurant doors and i was like i'm literally disabled my arms literally won't work and like that yeah is that even a reasonable job request for anybody no but he's like you can use your hips you can't what like he was saying that i had to do it for every single customer i was like that's just not even what happens when there's a rush like do you understand how crazy that is actually clearly not yeah it's just like it was so wild that was also the same job where like they said i could try out being a server and i was trying to come up with accommodations to like carry plates and it'd be a little more sustainable because I was down bad for money at this point because like I can't turn my wrist but I'm trying to be a server like that's crazy honestly but um, yeah but I mean you had a right to do that that's fair too yeah like but yeah just like they wouldn't even help me get like a tray to do that like I was looking to spend my own money to do that or see if I could borrow one from somebody but just a mess it does suck too because like the ADA does allow them to do that to be like oh yeah sure if you go buy it because no no jobs under any obligation to like buy you the thing you need for the accommodation you need but a lot of places will just do that because it's kind and reasonable right but yeah there's no like legal backing for that though there totally should be honestly I feel like especially for a restaurant where the hostesses were getting paid $4 an hour and then it was supplemented by tip pool. So like I was working overtime and still only making like 600 a week because servers weren't doing the tip pool and stuff. So like the pay was atrocious and they wanted me to pay for things because I'm disabled to work for you. It just doesn't make sense. Worship of the written word. Oh! <laughs> if anyone is interested, that was a reference to... <laughs> the features of white supremacy culture, which we actually have a presentation on. If you ever want to hire an organization to do that. Yeah. We know of an organization. It's us. (laughs) (laughs) There's also time dilation, ADHD time dilation. I feel like this is not a thing that people talk about in the right fashion. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like people talk about time dilation in the way that they're like, oh, you know, I missed my plans with my friend and that sucks because like it does, but like also it's literally like you are not perceiving time correctly at all. Time is passing way too fast. 
or way too slow. Like literally, if you do not have this like symptom of ADHD, like really try to imagine that time has literally sped up and you didn't notice. Yeah. And then you look at the clock and it's a whole different time. It's terrifying actually. And I don't think anybody's talking about how distressing that is. It's really bad. Yeah. And like I would have um, in the past, I would have like big meltdowns over like feeling like I lost a bunch of time. And I feel like you told me a similar story about how you were taking a test and like the time got away from you all of a sudden. That literally exact same thing has happened to me before too. It happened when I took the driving test and it also happened when I was getting certified to do a job and I had to take a test at the end of it to complete the certification. I wound up needing to take that test in the like last 10 minutes I had of it. Oh shit. Yeah, because I don't know what happened. But that's the thing is I don't know what happened. I was sitting there. I was looking at a question that I was kind of struggling with. And then it was an hour later. (laughs) Yeah, it's sucks luckily i did wind up passing still somehow i don't know cognitive load i I knew the material and had to go real fast yeah (laughs) but yeah that was that was really stressful and it caused a lot of spiraling for me about whether i deserved to be doing this job and like whether i was even you know equipped for it if something like that could happen to me that's fair yeah that's a hard one it's so hard to imagine not having it but like if you don't have it i literally have like been up recently i mean like okay it's like one in the morning i'll like wind down soon and it'll feel like i look down at my phone and look back up and it's 3 30 and i'm like what happened like it really it's so disorienting like that's literally just what it feels like so i can't even imagine uh, on yeah. the job and like getting fussed at for that and stuff like that's so much and like i think we've talked about this before that i think i think that adhd is a disability and that it can be disabling Right. I think that, like, maybe that's not the case for everyone, but for me, my ADHD is definitely disabling. Right. For sure. Yeah, I definitely feel that. So I also... No. Ah. Huh? <laughs> I was reading through yours, because I was about to say maybe just do one more, because I don't have any more after oh, okay, that. gotcha. And so I was like, which of these looks the most interesting? And then I was like, huh, because of the last one. Yeah, I feel, so there's things about people outright refusing to accommodate me, even if I had a doctor's note, crazy. There's things about me having panic attacks and PTSD attacks and getting judgment, crazy. But I think we're gonna go with the last one. <laughs> so with my arm disability, I also have chronic pain and also have migraines. And so this was before I was on pain medication even, because for a long time, doctors wouldn't even want to give me pain medication. One, because of my age, because my chronic pain started so young. Mm. But then also it is very hard for a disabled person to get, at least in my experience. Oh, yeah. Like I just like the way I would get treated as like a drug seeker or drug addict. And then you're even tested. Like they literally treat you like you're seeking drugs for a high. And it's like, I'm literally in pain all the time. Yeah. I was literally born with a deformed skeleton. Like. Could you fucking chill? Also, is this really the method that someone would use for that? I'm really? Saying. Can we be for real right now? Be fucking for real. I, the paranoia and villainization of people with substance abuse disorders is crazy and trickling down to causing ableism to other people. Right. So this instance, I was a hostess at a different restaurant, minimum wage ass job, goofy as fuck. It was a slow day. There was nobody in there even. And I was having a flare up, a really bad flare up. I was like, peeled myself out of bed, try to get there. And then it was just getting worse the longer I was there. Oh no. And so I'm like rubbing my shoulders. I'm like trying to mitigate it. And I was like, I might just have to go home. 
Mm-hmm. So I go up to one of my managers and I'm like, you know, about to ask her like, hey, is there any way I can like leave early? Like if somebody's already here. And she goes, you look as pitiful as like a man when he's sick. What? Yeah. Because you know that trope of like how men are babies when they're sick. So yeah. it's just like wild how uh, there's so many th- between the gender comment yeah, and like, what? I was just like, yeah, I'm actually disabled and I'm having a flare up and I was going to ask about leaving. So wait, so they said that before you explained all of yes. that? Yes. Oh my I, god. Unprompted, unsolicited as I walked up to her. I thought I was holding it together, so I was like, wow, that makes me feel like shit. Like that's just on my face how much pain I'm in. And that's but your also, response. You better let me go home then. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, people will just really like Yeah, I guess she just wasn't taking it seriously. Like she just thought I was like being a baby about it is at the heart of that comment. But yeah. I really wish Abel's story you know honestly and i think what other what able-bodied people don't understand too is like when i say i'm in pain i'm about to pass out yeah. like because i'm always in pain even on pain medication it's just a lower grade manageable amount of pain but like if i'm telling you i am in pain it is an emergency like mm-hmm. it is not good so it's just for me to get to that point to even ask to go home when my hours were already like small and it was a minimum wage job like i needed to go but she just thought it was funny and i was just like wow so because why would you say that i'm just so shook by it being completely unprompted like what did she think you were originally walking up to tell her if you look that bad and why not say you know oh my god like are you okay you do not look okay i have no idea i just like to (laughs) it just doesn't make sense like the condition is she thinks you're being a baby but also you looked so bad that she made that comment unprompted. So how are those compatible? Right. Either you were faking it or not. Which did she believe? You know? And it's just wild. Like, I remember honestly, too, at a summer camp, I worked at these people talking about how whenever they see people in wheelchairs, they kind of always wonder if they're faking it. Like, that's like their first thought. It's like... What? Yes. Wait, what? Yes. Like, they were deadass. Like, you know, I always kind of wonder. Like, and it's just like, wow, like, people really, really think that of disabled people. Yeah. Just constant. It's like, you really can't wrap your head around that. We call this thing called life of miracle right mm-hmm. we call childbirth a miracle and there's so many moving parts that all have to work correctly and sometimes they don't and yeah. so it's just like you can imagine one of those things not working correctly or even multiple of those things not working correctly like really like i don't think they can honestly i just it's insane it's insane like yeah so uh, you know thanks for coming to my test <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing. Mm. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's not. It's okay. Maybe you can tell the other stories as like a patron exclusive. Oh, that's true. Because we got a Patreon. Do you wish there was more evil in your life? Bloopers, extended cuts, digital downloads, and more are available to our patrons on Patreon. All right. So we're on to medical ableism. Oh boy. (laughs) This could almost be its own episode, I feel like. Honestly, yeah, but (laughs) I'm going to try to keep it brief. Right. You know, let me not start so hot and heavy with my first option. Okay, so I am low-key a medical mystery. Not because I actually am, but because every doctor I've seen about a flare-up of this specific issue has just been uninterested and uninvested and fixing it right so maybe like 
once a year so I'll just kind of randomly have a horrible flare-up where I feel like I cannot move my neck or shoulders at all like it's way too painful like almost past a 10 on the pain scale like I feel paralyzed and then I'll go to the doctor and they'll just give me muscle relaxers which works but like why does it keep happening yeah you know ew yeah and the first few times it happened i wholly went to the emergency room for it now i know to ask for muscle relaxers but that's like all i can do jesus yeah zero out of ten but the very first time that it happened i was like 13 14 and i remember i had like an ap calculus test the next day and so i was sitting in the hospital the morning that it was happening because i was getting ready for school that's what the flare-up happened like i was getting ready for school and i fell because all of a sudden i was paralyzed <laughs> and so my mom comes rushing out and is like whoa and at first she thought i was faking it fun fact she was like oh my god she was like oh my god get off the floor you're being so dramatic and i was like i can't <laughs> and she was like oh <laughs> and had to like lift me to the car which honestly impressed she was able to do that because she was already the same size as me like we were like the same size at the time so she gets me to the car we go to the emergency room and i'm sitting in the hospital bed and i'm just thinking to myself damn i need to get a selfie so that i can send it to my teacher because otherwise he will not believe that i'm in the hospital missing a test right now oh no yeah i at first tried to like ask to somehow still go to school and take my test i don't know what i was on i was not okay but i was stressed and like i guess it was just a joke that my teacher said we needed to take pictures of ourselves at the hospital but i was autistic yeah so i thought that he was serious and i really needed evidence that i was at the hospital i made them take a picture of me anyway because i could not be consoled that i didn't need it that's valid and i was like very much in charge of myself like my own education i mean like not that i had freedom but i like right i was the only one looking out for whether i was doing okay so i didn't have a parent checking in to make sure my grades were all right like i needed my grades to be all right because it was my whole escape plan right like it was my entire escape plan to do good at school so i could get a scholarship and run away right which i did (laughs) but yeah so that was stressful that medical mystery shit that where it's not even medical mystery just doctors actively not caring that's how you know Grey's Anatomy is fiction like as much as I hate that show I'm still watching because I like imagining a world where doctors care about their patients that would be nice wholly fictitious my god okay so with that you know I actually had somebody say something like that to my face So I lived in Kentucky, and not only Kentucky, but in the city where the institute that was the first in the U.S. to do successful repeated hand transplants. So like top hand institute in the United States. In Kentucky? In Kentucky. Random. I know. The first to do it was somebody in France, so like, boo. But (laughs) we hate the French. True. So I had gone there a lot in high school, and I'll get back to that, but I was an adult at this point, and they were gonna, at a pain management center I went to, they offered to surgically implant a TENS unit as a way to mitigate my pain. And before doing that, I was like, let me just see what's going on over here before I commit to that. (laughs) So I go back to the Sand Institute, 
and there's this doctor who was not my doctor. My doctor had retired at this point, so he first tried to evaluate my arms and shoulders, but while sitting down across the table from me, he would not get up to examine me. Well, then what is the point? Right. And then he went on to be like, yeah, you know, there's not really any options because nobody cares about that part of the arm. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's how the story goes. Yeah. Like he deadass told me that nobody cared and that there was just nothing to do, essentially. They put me on a wait list for... So my doctor originally, he had come up with like a prosthetic device that was supposed to help. And supposedly I'm on the wait list for it when the FDA clears it. And to this day, my phone has never rang for it. So Wow. Yeah, and child, we're going to get into the FDA. That's going to be a separate bullet point. <laughs> but yeah. So. Down with the FDA. Down with the French. Down with the FDA. Down right? with the French. <laughs> so but yeah, the last time I went there was like five years ago. And that's why I just haven't gone back to do anything about my arms. Because I was like the top institute. And this man told me they didn't care. Yeah, no wonder it's so triggering the idea of like going to appointments for disability, knowing that it won't work just for the paper trail. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I hate doctors. Truly. And the FDA. <laughs> and the French. <laughs> Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky! <laughs> I said the FDA. <laughs> okay. Ah, yes. So, the spicy thing. I guess after my spicy thing, you'll do your spicy FDA take. Oh, child. <laughs> Trigger warning for suicide, suicidal ideation, all that stuff. Go take care of yourselves if you need to do that. But yes, yeah, so many years ago, I attempted suicide and I kind of instantaneously regretted what I had done. And I called like a hotline for help and they were talking to me. They didn't ask me at first if I had done anything to attempt to kill myself, even though I really feel like that should be question one yeah (laughs) so like we're just kind of talking they're like why are you so upset i'm telling them you know (laughs) which like i had in my opinion even in retrospect i understand why i felt as bad as i did but the operator was not vibing with me was not understanding like why i was so distressed and so took forever to get around to asking me if i had done anything and i was like yes actually i maybe am dying right now girl And she literally was like, oh, <laughs> ah! and was like, can you just hold for a second? And no! didn't actually put me on hold so no. I could just hear everything no. that was being said. No. Yeah. The way they talk about people in these like centers and stations is wild so she did that i could hear her being like oh there's like a high suicide risk like we need to send units and this was also my like school's hotline number so they knew exactly where i was oh yeah and so i'm on the phone and she came back and was like so people are gonna show up soon just so you know (laughs) and like transferred me to someone else there's also that is how am i literally maybe dying right now and you're (laughs) Can I place on a brief <laughs> Like, it's your choice. So let me transfer you to our suicide department. Like, what? Like, all right. But at some point, I was also on hold um, at, like, 
some call center, like the police station dispatch, I think is what they transferred me to or something. Mm -hmm. And that lady also didn't make it so I couldn't hear her. But she didn't even attempt to be like, oh, I'm going to put you on hold. I think she just turned away from the phone and started talking. And they also just kept misgendering me, which also sucked and didn't make me feel any better when I already felt pretty bad right and so the police showed up it was not a fun time i had to ride in a police car the police officer kept being like isn't it fun to ride in a police car i'm like sir i'm black (laughs) sir i'm dying (laughs) i'm black and i'm dying people are dying right now I kept trying to refuse to get into an ambulance, and so that's why I was in the police car, though. But eventually, I did have to take an ambulance anyway, because after I I got to the emergency room in the police car, and then from the emergency room, they made me get into an ambulance. Oh. Yeah. Not Jesus. Fun. Yeah. What a time. Thanks that for coming to my TED Talk. My God. Just between the not holding, between the not asking right off the bat, like, hey, are you you good have you done anything like yeah oh my god i really hope they've restructured how they ask their questions yeah it was also student trainees so oh no. i don't think that was a good idea no honestly the way crisis lines are set up you might be an expert in this but like do crisis lines help i think yes but low-key only because if you are calling the crisis line probably part of you does not want to Uh, do it yeah so like the data is a little skewed because the data set of people are already predisposed to not go through with it. Right. Also, I think that part of the effectiveness is that, like, search engines will direct you to them. So I have been in very bad places and, like, looked for means of suicide, like, tried to Google means of suicide, and it, like, won't let you at first if you do that. Like, it'll be like, hey, do you need help? Or actually, it says support is available to you. So I actually think the way that that works is, is a pretty good means of suicide prevention, just because normally what is the predicted factor of whether someone's going to commit suicide is whether they have the means to commit suicide and whether that means is convenient so that's why most suicides are like guns yeah like because a lot of people have access to those this is not me doing an anti-gun take by the way right right. but that is why most suicides are by guns because like people have access to them and i think that the media portrays that as a popular option which is also why we need to stop putting suicide in tv and movies and stuff because it is making it worse like it literally the data supports that it is making it worse because some people wouldn't even know how to go about killing themselves if they wanted to like some people would not even know how to do that and you want to keep it that way right so yeah Jeez, yeah. Yeah, because I just I know crisis lines I've just been around a lot of people and like I know my own experiences but like they'll just be burnt out they'll be Mm -hmm. volunteers they'll be like poorly trained they'll be some of them will even vent to the people that are calling in like yeah it really only works if you get lucky and you just get someone who is a natural jeez so it's just like i do think it needs a revamp but i'm glad at least like the intervention on google's like a thing and that it does seem to have some benefit at least but yeah my god stop telling your strong friends to call crisis centers we need to yeah how about you talk to your strong friend instead (laughs) that's probably what's actually going to help i'm sorry to say i feel like there's definitely a lot to be said about what responsibility we all hold to each other if any at all and like I think that that's a personal decision at the end of the day, whether you feel like 
it's your responsibility as part of the community to help someone with that. If you decide that's not my responsibility, I can't hold to that, valid. Yeah. If you decide I really care about and value the idea of human life and I love my friends and so I'm willing to take this hit, that's also valid. Yeah. I know for, I mean, I might still be here, but like my practice for a long time was like, I could not do that and center the person appropriately mm-hmm. and not blame myself if something happened. Like that yeah. will just not be okay for me. Like I cannot put myself in that position. So like, it really is like a personal, deeply personal decision, but sure. just the whole way we approach it's gotta be changed. Yes. That was absolutely bonkers to listen to, my God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, actually, while we're on this, if any of you know of Project Let's, they have an upcoming anti-carceral approaches to suicide um, workshop series coming up. It's sliding scale that starts at $15, and I went last year and definitely found it really insightful. It's like a whole series of events. There's a panel, there's a skills workshop for mental health practitioners and community members and healers. I really like that they include healers in there too. I love that. So yeah, if you're interested in learning more about anti-carceral alternatives to suicide prevention, what our community obligations are and stuff like that, then check that out. Yes, I love that. Excellent PSA. So, yeah, let's get into this FDA beef. (laughs) It's beef. So I first got diagnosed with my arm disability when I was five. My parents noticed things were awry, and we got an x-ray, and they were like, hey, this thing's happening. And they were like, oh, cool. But then come when I was, like, 14, the chronic pain, like, started. Mm. And that's about the time I had to, like, give up guitar and stuff, because it just, like, by the end of playing, I was, like, crying and stuff. Oh, like, I didn't realize you did try the guitar. For a long time, actually. Oh. I played guitar for a few years. Wait, so do you know how to play a guitar? I mean, I know, like, the basics. Like, oh. I was, like, real young when I learned. But, like, I know the, like, the strings, like, what the frets mean and stuff, how to strum, Damn. and maybe some basic chords, but... Yeah. To know that much about a guitar and not be, like, able to play the guitar must suck. Yeah. And at one point, my mom made me give my guitar. They're like, for their birthday, you should give them the What? Yeah. What? Instead of buying the guitar, Ooh, I guess. it's but... beef, And man. he never learned how to play. He never learned how to play, but... What's that bitch's name? Uh, I'm coming for you. you Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky. Ricky, when I catch you, Ricky. <laughs> so... That's the prologue. My chronic pain started when I was 14. And that's when we started going to the hand Institute. And I met this doctor who was incredible, like kind old Brazilian man, just like really like jolly. So I went to go meet him. We talk about my disability. And at this point I knew that I had it in both arms, (laughs) which was new information. But he told us about a prosthetic that he had developed that I didn't realize at the time, but was for the wrist half of the joint, and he was wanting to modify it and put it in the elbow half of my joint. Okay. Which, right, very experimental. Yeah. So we applied the first time as a general surgery to get this approved. Yeah. And it got denied because of, they, he said it would be a total reconstruction, and they didn't like that language because my bone structure wouldn't look the same at the end of it, so he had to... Like, basically highlight all the words and change it to modified. Oh. And then they denied it a second time because they're like, well, you've basically adapted to it at this point. What? What kind of logic is that? Yeah, but basically because, like, I was born with a disability 
And they basically wanted to not risk a lawsuit. They didn't want to risk that it would be worse after this. Oh. And so, like, at this point, I think the second time, too, he applied for it as, like, an experimental search. Like, this would be a one-time thing. Not even just trying mm-hmm. to get the, the device FDA approved, just, like, a one-time thing. And then there was a time it was going to get approved in Belgium. Or that they were going to do it in Belgium, but then the FDA shut that down. And then we applied, like, one more time, and it just got denied again. So, like, the FDA has personally denied me this device, like, four separate times. Why do they have authority over what happens in Belgium? I think because the doctor was an American doctor, and the oh, device was, damn. you know, like, so I think, like... Do we need to move to get this done? Honestly! <laughs> do we need to leave the country entirely? Honestly. So then, but when I was an adult and went back in 2018, that, so then he had developed a prosthetic for the elbow half of the joint. Oh. And that's the wait list I'm currently on that I've never got the call for. So, Dang. Yeah. Can we check in on this? Honestly, maybe, but. Be like, hey, to be pushy, but what's happening? Right. <laughs> really? Wait, I, I'm sorry. I thought there were only 300 people with this issue. Why is there a wait list so long? Well, I don't know if the wait list is long. It's just that the FDA has oh. to green light it. And it's the FDA's yeah. fault again. Also, what I have is the congenital version of this, but if you have like a post-traumatic, oh. like bone malformation or I feel something. Like you should get prioritized. You know, yeah. But that's the thing too. So that was another running joke with my mom at one point because she was like all uptight about me not doing sports and fucking up my arms. I was like, mm-hmm. maybe if I fucked up my arms, I could fix it. And it was, she was like, you know? Damn. <laughs> but then we risked my arm was just being worse and them not yeah. wanting to touch anything so and i also was bitter about all this because shortly after one of the denials i, I think like the third or fourth mm-hmm. they approved like what they were calling the luke skywalker style prosthetic arm where it literally oh. connects to your central nervous system so it's not just mechanical it's literally like oh. embedded and electrical pulses like get sent through your brain mm-hmm. signals to the arm and i was like so this gets wow. approved but not a metal and plastic device to wow like <laughs> I can become a cyborg but I can't <laughs> right and that's the other thing too so I was like can I just get a prosthetic arm but they don't want to just cut off a healthy arm quote unquote healthy where the fact that it like functions but it doesn't do all the things right and the other surgery options for people with it is like sometimes when they're kids they'll do this where they'll take the whole bone structure and flip the arms entirely either up or down or oh. one of each but since I play piano, they probably put both down. But then, like, to do hygiene things of certain oh. types, that would make things really difficult. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just, like, no surgery options. Like, I'm just on opioids for my life. That's why my pain management doctor tried to give me a medical marijuana card, but now I can't smoke weed. Oh, so my I'm God. just on opioids for the rest of my life at this point. Like, yeah. But, for the millionth time, I am so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> That is some bullshit. It's fine. <laughs> it's not. I just wish I could smoke weed about it at least, but it's, you know. Damn. It is what it is. God just had to nerf me. Like, yeah. I was just going to be too powerful. <laughs> That's what I have to tell myself. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I, to jump off of the suicide attempt experiences <laughs> stuff, another thing is that like after all of that was said and done, I went to the psych ward. So I was in inpatient for some time 
And that was a wild experience. Maybe I'll do a story time all about that on its own. But one thing that I really want to mention is they just simply did not take into account like who was there and like what the demographic of people there were there for. Oh no. And they were playing in the common area. They were always playing Law and Order Special Victims. Bruh. Yeah. Which is wow. Wow? Really? That's and it was very triggering. Like I did not hang out in that common area the whole time I was in there. I just hung out in my room or in my friends' rooms. And that oh was low key not allowed. Right. But, yeah. It makes me sick almost because they probably thought that shit was funny. And it was not. It was just triggering. Like, yeah. it, I was going back to my room like, hmm, is there a way I could kill myself in here? Damn. Uh, they just thorough in this bitch. <laughs> yeah. They took my shoes. Right. They took the laces out of my pants. My God. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. I remember my friends talking about going to a psych ward and they were playing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And they were laughing because they were like, that's really, like, fucked up and ironic. Yeah. But then the nurse didn't get the joke because they weren't as well read as this person. So they thought they needed medication and, like, tried to sedate them. I was like, but that was fucked up and funny. Like, (laughs) there are so many layers of issues here. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know where to start. So it's just, like, the fact that this is even the first time I've heard that the negligence and what they put on in these common areas, like... You don't turn Scooby-Doo on or some shit. Like, please, <laughs> please put on a cartoon. We're begging. Literally. Also, again, I'm hard of hearing. And I was supposed to have an interpreter. I did not. Mm-mm. And they wrote down that I did in my discharge paperwork. Why are you always lying? Right? I was like, interpreter? The one uh-uh. I was begging for the whole time I was here? It's the fact they lied about it for me. Yeah, what the fuck? And like, I think they did that because it would be very illegal for them to have not provided me one, which I didn't know at the time. Yeah. This is why I'm very like hard up on like knowing my rights and knowing what I'm entitled to because I will not be fooled again. Right. I will not be fooled. And the fact too that they probably were like, who's going to believe you? Like they probably thought they'd get away with that. And they will because who's going to believe me? Right. Because of ableism. Like, <laughs> right? like, yeah. My God. Mm-hmm. I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just, just a compilation of us saying I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just insane because we've been talking about this for over an hour and we still have more notes like yeah. and these were like the highlights like but we do only have one section left yeah least, so i got one more medical ableism okay, thing go for it. this should be pretty short this was about right when i turned 14 mm-hmm. and at this point i thought i was only disabled in one arm oh no yes so I went to this doctor and she was like trying to evaluate me for the first time. And she's like, put your arms at your hips and supinate, which is like turn your wrist up and pronate, which is turn them down. And she's like, oh, you've got tension in both arms. I'm like, no, it's just the one arm. She's like, uh, no, sweetie. Like, and very rudely informed me I was disabled in both arms. Rude. And it like shook my entire world up it shook my parents up too because they were like oh you disabled disabled yeah because like at that point like my right arm i went to physical therapy and they tested the strength of it they're like oh your arm's like as strong as like a 21 year old woman like Mm -hmm. it was 
like my good arm that I did everything with and now I'm finding out I'm disabled in both arms and that like really changed the game very and also that was my writing arm and my dominant arm and like it really fucked with shit at that point yeah so were you there for a specific reason or was it like a standard checkup or this was we were told she was a specialist this was before we found the hand institute oh so this was like a specialist that we were hoping would have answers and i think she was also a pediatrician but i think this was where we were trying to explore the surgery option of like turning the bones all the way up or down or she also the other option was a bone transplant but basically then you have to take anti-rejection meds which can like really fill out your kidney yeah especially when you're so young at that point so yeah just no surgery option (laughs) but yeah i'll just never forget the way she told me it was so fucking rude like no sweetie yeah i was like oh my god like (laughs) Like, sweetie, where? Will you call me sweetie after I pop you in the mouth? Right. Like, and I was just like, can you give me a minute to adjust to this new reality? I was like, no, this is my good arm. Like, you don't want to investigate that? Like, yeah, what? <laughs> well, sorry, that happened. No, <laughs> you know, just Kentucky things. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we're down to our last category. Interpersonal relationships. Friends, family, loved ones. Your first one on here. That security guard. So I started with this one because this was a stranger. I did not know this person. But essentially, I went to the arcade recently with a friend. (laughs) But I showed up alone and I was having a high pain day. So I had my cane with me. So I'm using my cane and I enter the mall and I guess it's like closing because the arcade's on the third floor and a bunch of stores were closing. So they were like just gating off the whole like mall area. And so a security guard was like trying to get me to hustle to get past the gate so that she could close it. And I was walking as fast as I could with with my cane. I was walking and she was like, can can you like hurry up? Like, can you speed it up? And is gesturing at me to hurry up. And I gesture at my cane and she went, oh, I didn't even, and was like stammering and stuttering and just struggling because now she's said something awkward. Yeah, that's out of pocket. Like, that's what you get. That's fucking out of pocket. And I literally was like, I'm already going as fast as I can, like gesturing at the cane and yeah. Yeah, at some point she was like, I did not realize what I was saying and did apologize like as I was walking away, but mad awkward. <laughs> Give me a piggyback ride. Like, right? Like you want to carry me or something? Literally. Like, also, I was like, they did this and were gesturing at me when I was like across the floor of the mall. Like like the whole mall. Yeah. Like, did she want me to break into a run? Or? Maybe. I Which wouldn't do that crazy. even if I was able-bodied. Right. Like, Who are you to tell me to start jogging? I can't imagine if you didn't have the cane, which is, like, awful. Because, like, you don't use yeah. your cane all the time. Like, it's like, but you're still disabled all the time. Like, yeah. it's just like... Really, I should use the cane all the time. But I'm still working through internalized acceptance of you know? these issues. <laughs> so, uh, how about... Honestly, this probably helped with that. Because I felt very disabled in that moment. Because she was really trying to get me to hustle. And I was like... I am moving literally as fast as I can. I probably should not be trying to go this fast right now. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the other part of being disabled in a way that's like, what's the new word for it? I'm so used to it being called invisible disability. Dynamic disability? No. Well, I I guess what are you trying to describe? 
Like a disability, you can't see. Like, there's no visual oh, cue. that's not invisible disability anymore? I think I saw a different term for it, but oh. maybe. I don't know. If any of you know, I'll make it a poll on Spotify. <laughs> if any of you know what term we're trying to think of right now. I think it was something like, not this word, but like neglected or overlooked. Like, it was not that the disability is invisible, but more so that it's like, it's not seen in the ways that it shows up or like not, you know what I mean? I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it, but... Anyway, but the fact that we need some sort of visual cue, like I'll wear arm braces sometimes, not because they help, I can't turn my wrist at all, but to remind people that I'm disabled and the fact that you're like, if you need the cane every day, then absolutely that, but also the fact that you need it for people to even validate that you're disabled is crazy. Yeah, I hate that. Like I have told people, you just said something that reminded me of something like organically, whenever I have gone to get a wax, like I, for the first time with a new waxer, I tell them like, I have arthritis in my knees, or before I was just saying I had knee problems, but now I'm diagnosed. So <laughs> so I have arthritis in my knees and never have they ever like modified the position that I was in or could be in for getting the wax. But I wore my knee braces for the first time to get a wax like yesterday or the day before. And there are whole different positions that like are less impact on my knees that they led me through. I've been to this wax person before. I've told them I have knee problems before. And only like that time did they actually do something about it because they could see that I was wearing knee braces that Mm -mm. day. Nasty. (laughs) Absolutely nasty. I feel like it's something similar to worship of the written word. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, there's the fact that they won't just believe us orally telling them that they need something black and white in paper, quote unquote, or like in front of them. Like it's just like. Ugh, that's so disappointing. Ew. Yeah. Jeez. And the fact these things like just happened to you. Like this yes. is just, like a decade ago or this is like now. Ableism <laughs> <Yep. laughs> is alive and well, honey. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned like the hand job comments before. Some of my earliest experiences with ableism was like from my own parents, which is exciting but like, you know, I would tell them. So one, I grew up in a hoarder's house. So it was already worse than a normal house. And then they would have us try to do chores like it was a normal house. Oh. So they would have us try to do the dishes, which spanned the entire kitchen and was gross and, like, bad. Ew. Right. And I would tell them, like, I'm flaring up because, you know, mm-hmm. we just went to the doctor for my chronic pain. And they yeah. won't give me pain medications because I'm a teenager, so I'm in pain. And they would, like, laugh and be like, well, you're just going to find a partner who washes the dishes all the time. I was like, bitch, maybe. Yeah, also, dishwashers are a thing. Right, right. Like, why were they assuming that yeah. you couldn't just, even if you didn't find, also, why are they even focused on what a partner could do for you in the future when you were a teenager? You're my parents. Can we, can you stop fantasizing about other people taking care of me? It's still right. your turn. It is still your turn. Literally. <laughs> this is also the same conversation where my mom was like, your great grandma, when she got polio and she worked on the farm, and they wouldn't just let her like lay in bed or she got left behind or something like saying that she I don't even know what her point was like yeah does she think your great grandmother would have wanted you in the same position yeah and so she was like you gotta like work through that pain or disability so you don't get left behind I was like okay or you would not leave me behind yeah I was like could could you not trigger my abandonment trauma while we're talking about dishes like Mm -hmm. I don't know but like (laughs) the abandonment trauma that they in part gave you right so you know um yeah just wacky ass comments and like ugh just so much 
There's more from them later. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry. No. You go get your bones fused and see how you fare. Like, right? <laughs> I do hate that it feels like Abel's need to have their own experience with the disability to empathize with it. Yeah. Like, or to be compassionate, rather. Because, like, for example, I did a workshop once where it was on, like, altered states. This isn't the one that we watched together. It was a different one. But during it, they simulated altered states and they were like this is to like show you and demonstrate what it's like for people who are dealing with this so you can be compassionate and the activity was that you had to read something while somebody was like shouting things at you and like you had to like keep reading it which like the thing is that it was a good representation it was so good that it triggered me oh no into an episode <laughs> And that's the thing is that you assumed everyone in this workshop wasn't the like demographic that you are working with. Like there are people who train to help people with things that they also experience. Right. In fact, it's probably super common. Like I was inspired to be in that workshop because I have those experiences. And so it just, yeah, it was just so triggering and horrible and I needed immediate support after. Oh like it was a mess because like that is like what it feels like a lot. Well, if you experience auditory hallucinations anyway, there's also that is that it was a very specific example for a very specific thing and there are other ways to experience an altered state. So, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Some people just should not be facilitating. Yeah. Some of y'all need to not be teaching. Don't need to be running no business. Mm -hmm. Don't be don't need to be doing commissions. You don't need to be some of you do not need to be exchanging money for services yeah, yourself. Let me tell you, know? you. And that's okay. Honestly, none of us were built for it because you know, you know capitalism is good point. Natural, but whatever. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of times I've had people forget that I'm hard of hearing. And more than one time in my life I've had someone be like, Oh, like I can't even I can't even tell. Like, you seem so hearing and regular. <laughs> and, like, that'll make people say wacky things. Like, when they think that, like, you're super passable as, like, not disabled. Like, if you're passing, so to speak. And uh, people, I think, get really comfortable with the idea that I can read their lips. Like, way too comfortable. And will just be like, oh, why do I need to, like, speak up? Can't you just read my lips? It's like, lip reading is not an exact science. I am getting an approximation of what you're saying, and it's a lot of effort, and now I'm tired. It's tiring. And there's also that, is that hearing people, do y'all not ever try to read someone's lips? Like, can you not detect that it's not easy to do and you have to be really focused and engaged the whole time? Like, more engaged, probably, than if you were just listening to right. them? Right. So... I know it's very entitled so don't say that to deaf and hard of hearing people is like here you just read my lips yeah even that's if, crazy <laughs> yeah like even if they know how to read lips don't say that shit honestly also the fact that like for deaf and hard of hearing people like asl is either their first language or preferred language mm -hmm. or like so then english is like a second language for a lot of deaf and hard of hearing people yeah. or just like a not accessible or like a different language right mm -hmm. so then you're also reading lips in a non-preferred language. Yeah. So it's just like so many layers of work versus just being accessible and not doing that. <laughs> like, no, that's, oh, that's so much. Jesus. <laughs> just my parents are really the MVPs of the section. There's the time where I got told that because they put so much money and time into my disability, referring to 
the arm surgery I got, and then the device I needed to help train rotating my arm. Mm -hmm. But that's why they had to pay for a trip to Europe for my brother while I go worked at a summer camp. Because they were compensating for the attention and time and money my disability was getting. By giving him more attention than you got? Right. Hello? (laughs) Right. So there was that. And then there was also the time my dad got mad at me because I was like, like, hey, I think I have like ADHD or ADD. Mm -hmm. And I would like support with that because I'm like really struggling. And he yelled at me because he's like, I've taught you all how to pay attention and to like be disciplined and blah, blah, blah. Like. This uh, the disrespectful, like like taking it as a personal attack to the way he's oh. raised us, and so I never got diagnosed or support as a kid, and now like as an adult, I'm having like psychiatrists be like, unless you took medication as a kid, we can't give it to you, and it's like, but yeah. help, <laughs> help me. Also, for legal purposes, this is a joke, but lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say to to the audience. You know. That's true. Lie. Just think about That's Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I was in Kentucky, I had a different name, you know. You know. Sure. You know. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's a very funny joke I just told. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, this is the last thing I have for this one. But so I was punished a lot for being forgetful. As we know, today I have like a little working memory issue. Like if you give me a working memory test right now, I'm a fail it. I'm a fail it in flying colors. <laughs> so I just, and what that means in case y'all don't know is like there are different kinds of memory, right? You have long-term memory, you have short-term memory, you have working memory. And your working memory is stuff that's like right in front of you that you are working with, right? Mm. As opposed to your short-term memory, which is like maybe something you learned in school that you're trying to retain for a test which is different from your long-term memory, which is like basically stuff you know forever and will like memories that are very integrated into your mind, stuff like childhood birthdays and stuff that if you remember those anyway, can't relate. But working memory is just really hard for me and always has been. And ADHDers have a tendency to have really bad working memory. Pro tip, if you feel like your working memory is really bad, it might it's possible you'd have ADHD. Like, in general, <laughs> you should look into that and see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but this really annoyed my mother, like, so much so that eventually she started banning the phrase, I forgot. Like, literally had a ban on that phrase for years. Like, I was not allowed to say I forgot or anything similar to the, the idea of forgetting, like, if she asked me something, I could not respond with saying that I forgot it. And eventually I just had to start lying, which was also something that she was like constantly accusing me of that I wasn't doing, but I had to start lying because the reason would be that I forgot, but I'd have to say something else because otherwise she'd get mad at me and do lots of violent abusive things that I will not get into. But yeah, so I was punished a lot for being forgetful as a kid when really I just... Like, I literally couldn't. Like, nothing in the world is going to make my working memory better. Right. And as an adult, I have lots of strategies to cope with this, but information will go in one ear and immediately get let go of and, like, released. I just can't hold on to information, especially, like, new information. And uh, so I need that accommodated normally with, like, people writing things down or, like, having important conversations via text and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, that actually reminds me is that literally our therapist, who probably doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. No, so I, think I don't it's think fine. so. But we have a couples therapist who, like, thinks that it's weird, it seems like, <laughs> that we text 
about important conversations, like if we are having like conflict or something, or if we just have something really important that we need to talk about, I'll normally prefer to text about it because of my working memory issues normally. And also because of like BPD things, I can go back and validate myself or yeah. evaluate if I'm overreacting, stuff like that. But that is primarily why I need it, because if we have an important conversation, I don't want to be forgetting every sentence you say immediately after you said it. Right. That's horrible. And I've tried to do that before in my life and it just it just makes it look like I don't care which yeah. I hate so for, forgot where I wanted to end that at but the just the therapist <laughs> like being weird about it was... yeah yeah she was just being mad weird about it and uh, people just generally are very attached to the idea of having important conversations in person That's or true. with your voice I just don't think it's necessary honestly yeah and I feel like you know it's been an adjustment for me but also I feel like it's been for the better because I'm like this does make more sense like in a lot of yeah. ways i feel like a lot of these are like just like comments like my mom used to joke about autism in a very derogatory way so i never got support around that either boo i do think it's wild i feel like that's so specific like what was her beef with autistic people specifically the, it's the fact too that she suspected she was also autistic but oh. like when she called me a sensitive autistic crack whore wait did i tell you about this no Oh, that was so much. Oh, okay. Well, it started with autistic crack whore. So, <laughs> oh, that makes it better. I don't remember why she called me this, but she's like, "Oh, you're an autistic crack whore." I'm like, "Mom, that's like a mad inappropriate joke." I'm like 15. Like, could you not joke like that with me? And then she's like, "Oh, that's just how I joke with all my friends." So then she went and called her friend, what? told her that I was upset about it, and then was like, "She said you're a sensitive autistic crack whore." Wow. So, yeah. So there was that. There was, like, the friend who said I only wanted to do things out of convenience when they were talking about me being disabled and not being able to drive or meet them further away. What? Yeah, like, I just... There's people who thought I wasn't disabled because I could walk. Um, like, how does that make sense? Also, really you dope. do literally have, like, underdeveloped, like, muscles in your, like, gym crawl. So it's, and, like, I don't know, you do, like, have a different kind of gait. It's not like it's... It's not like it's invisible that huh. that, that has happened. I did not realize. Hmm. But yeah, fun fact, since I can't turn my wrist and my arms couldn't support me, I never crawled as a baby. And now I only go upstairs on tiptoe and apparently can't walk right either. So like, but I think what I'll end on is whenever my dad was teaching me how to do stunt hula hooping, mm -hmm. he was learning off of videos on YouTube and then was teaching me. And there was this trick he wanted me to try. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. Since mm -hmm. I can't turn my wrist, I'm a little nervous. And he got mad at me and stormed out, like, cold shoulder oh. me. And so then I was, like, upset and crying. I was like, okay, I'll try it. And, like, it actually, like, permanently altered my disability and made it worse. Oh. And my mom was like... Oh, you've told me about yeah, this. Yeah. My arm, like, swelled up and my mom was like, what the fuck? And he's like, meh. Like, I'm glad you tried. <laughs> or, like, something. He's like, I still would have wanted you to try. Like, I don't even remember what he said, but I was like, this is... I remember that as the day I, like, was like, this is not my father. Like, I do not Damn. care. Like... I do not love this man. <laughs> Damn. Honestly, I feel like that is not like I'm surprised hearing you say that because I feel like I thought that was a unique experience I had was like having a day like remembering the moment I decided <laughs> that I did not love this person because this is not what love is supposed to look like. Yeah. Like I remember. I remember it vividly. <laughs> like I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember very few things, but that. Child, those poor memories will be corn. But mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, well. my long-term memory is unfortunately fine. Right. <laughs> Dissociative amnesia, though. You know, if I didn't integrate it in, in the first place, then 
It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks for listening to all of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we got to like hear and support each other through that because that was so much. Yeah. Hope you learned something. Yeah. Stop being shitty to disabled people. Yes. Yeah, stop being ableist. 2023. Stop asking if I can give hand jobs. I can't. I blow. Okay? Like, <laughs> just, my blow jobs are immaculate for this very reason. <laughs> yeah, we'll see y'all next week with something else. Something <laughs> else. Bye. Bye. For another episode. Think you can handle more? Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coming Out Evil. Our website also has merch, sources, and our original villainy workbook available to download. Check it out at allmylinks.com slash You can support our evil doing on Patreon, where patrons get exclusive access to bloopers, extended cuts, live streams, and so much more. You can also tip us on Cash App at Yeehaw Howdy and Mixedusa. Stay evil and we'll see you next time. time.